TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. Hey everybody, Steve Gennaro here with another episode of TFC Talk. It was a busy week for Toronto FC, but you know, less busy than it's been for the past month where Toronto FC finished their streak of playing five games in 16 days. And along with that streak also came another streak of six consecutive wins, which also came to an end in the last seven days when they drew 1-1 against New York Red Bulls on Friday night of the last week. Now, midweek this week, they play against Ottawa in the you know the first leg of the home-and-home home of the Voyagers Cup or the Canada Cup, and then there's another game coming up this Friday night at home at BMO Field. So we thought we'd take a look at the last seven days, take a look at the New York Red Bulls game with my good friend Justin Wells uh, from New York, a Red Bulls fan and, and a soccer journalist who covers uh, Liverpool Football Club out of New York City. And then I speak with Tej Sahota, who's a journalist with Waking the Red, about Ottawa, about uh, Toronto FC, and about the Canada Cup itself. So I hope you enjoy, and at the end you get a little bit of audio from Dario Passarelli, our good buddy at Papa Dart, who covers Toronto FC2 for All in Sports Talk. A little bit of insider access to what was going on with TFC2 over the last seven days as well. All right, so hope you enjoy the show, and I hope you enjoy TFC Talk, and until next time, up the Reds. TFC Talk on All in Sports Talk. Hey everybody, welcome back to the show. Steve Gennaro here. This is TFC Talk, and with me this week I have a good friend of mine. He uh, He's a regular on multiple podcasts. We've done a bunch of Liverpool work together in the past with Anfield Index. He's Justin Wells, and you can follow him on Twitter uh, at Rolls on Chavez, right? Rolls on Chavez? That's right. I, you know, I, uh, I most definitely roll on Chavez. Unlike Walter. <laughs> yes, right. Well, you were rolling on Shabbos uh, Friday night uh, when uh, Toronto FC went rolling into uh, New York to, f- to face the Red Bulls, and you were at the match itself. So as a non-Toronto FC supporter, well, uh, uh, maybe as a neutral or as a Red Bull supporter, what were your thoughts on the match? Well, I'm, 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 I should say this. I'm a Red Bull supporter, but a, a relatively detached one because, uh, you know, uh, there it's... it's um, MLS is not my my first love in, in this particular sport, but I do watch a fair bit of the Red Bulls. They've been slumping as of late, and uh, a home it, it's it's sounds defeatist to go and say that you know the overall takeaway of a home point against a good Toronto side was a fair return from the match and what they needed. But given how the events of the match unfolded, I don't think the Red Bulls can complain very much about it. You know, they got housed just a couple of days earlier, uh, you know, playing the Galaxy and stuff. So there was, and I think the Toronto FC had been on a six-game win streak. So it, it, it was actually kind of setting itself up nicely for a Red Bulls victory, especially because Toronto has struggled historically against the Red Bulls, especially in New York. And early on, it appeared that that might be the case. I thought in the first half, Toronto dictated tempo fairly well, but the Red Bulls were able to spring them on the counter, and then Bradley Wright Phillips does what Bradley Wright Phillips does, and he scores a big goal to put New York up 1-0. Uh, would you agree with that assessment of the first half, or how, how did you see it from the grounds itself? Uh, from, from what I saw, basically, Toronto had a lot of the ball, but they were they were definitely having trouble fashioning chances from it. Uh, definitely looked to get the ball out, on, out, on, out onto the left side of... Uh, the uh, of their attack um i believe vasquez was seeing a lot of the ball uh but it still led to a relatively isolated outdoor i didn't see him get a ton of touches and the pace of the game really didn't suit either team for being incisive i think that's a lot down to the weather because it was about 90 degrees and i don't think either of these teams are quite ready for that kind of heat yet being in colder weather teams in the in the northeast and, and in canada uh, but the Red Bulls did set up the count, did set up the counter. They were effective. Uh, 
did think though that they uh, they were a bit lucky to get the decision that led to the free kick that led to uh, Bradley Wright Phillips' goal, but it was a, a great finish. Yeah, absolutely. And then you know they they seem to be in a prime position, but you could sort of feel the game starting to shift a little bit in the second half. And then Greg Venny, the head coach of Toronto C, did what he's been doing all season long, and that seems to be pressing the rest the right buttons or the recipe for for change with his substitutions. We saw Benoit Cheru come on, and of course he scores ends up scoring a goal that which has a huge impact. But we also saw the addition of Raheem Edwards. And you had texted me before the match and said, you know, Steve, I'm on my way over to the Red Bulls TFC game. What should I look for? And I said you know look for this kid Raheem Edwards if he gets out there he can be he can really change change a match what were your thoughts on Edwards when he came onto the pitch I thought he, I thought he was a spark uh, not just from a perspective of pace and how he was kind of you know causing problems for the Red Bulls defensively but also the fact that you know he actually elicited uh, what looked to be almost like a half slapper butt from a uh, from a Red Bulls defender and, you know, he definitely seemed to get under their skin pretty quickly. It also kind of led to, uh, I think I think his introduction led to some, some relatively crazy events towards the end of the match with the uh, the penalty of the offside goal. Yes, yeah, so let's, we, we could talk about that. Like, St. Ricketts uh, had a heck of a about eight-minute span there. So TFC uh, tied, tied the match uh, on the Sheru header. Mavinga heads it, and then Sheru heads it in the net, and we have a 1-1 game. And then in the span of about eight minutes, Toussaint Ricketts gets tackled in the box, which leads to a pen, which we'll talk about in a second, well, which you know doesn't go so well for Toronto C. Then two minutes later, Toussaint Ricketts hits the crossbar, and then he scores a goal that gets called back for offside. So let's start with the, with, with the pen. What did you think of the, the Josie Altador pen? Uh, first off, the decision's right. It is a penalty. He's fouled from behind in the box. Uh, a lot of people in, my, in the section I was sitting in didn't think so, but that's what's going to happen when you're the home. You know, that's that's what's going to happen when you're home. You know, you're going to see things through those those rose tinted or red tinted glasses if if you if you'll give me that. But uh, it was a bad penalty. I mean, Luis Robles makes a great save on it, but it's not far enough. It's far. It's not far enough from the center of the net, and it was one of those situations where if the keeper was guessing right. 99 times out of 100, he's there, he's going to make that save, and uh, this was no different. It was just it was a poorly taken penalty. I want to ask you because you're an American and American uh, soccer supporter, uh, you know, and of course Josie played with the Red Bulls. Uh, his first stint in professional soccer was with the Red Bulls as a 16 year old before he went over to Europe to Spain, to Holland, to England, and then back to MLS. What, what's your take on Josie Altidore as a footballer? Uh, there's there's a lot I like, and there's some that I definitely don't. Um, I admire his. I, I admire his desire to actually go out and play physically, hold the ball up, do a lot of the dirty work that a lot of strikers in, in the global game tend to avoid at this day and age. But there comes too many spans and periods of time when end product can be lacking from him, and that ultimately is kind of where I fall with him and and get get annoyed. Now, when he gets onto runs where he starts to score. He can be relatively unstoppable, and definitely within MLS, he showed that in his first stint, where with the Red Bulls, he was you know he was he was a pretty well sought after player going over going abroad at the age of seventeen and eighteen. That he went abroad at eighteen because of what he had actually shown it with with the Red Bulls. Uh, one of the most impressive performances I think I can recall seeing an MLS game an MLS game that I've watched was uh, Beckham's first uh, venture to the East Coast. Uh, in the in the old Giant Stadium, Red Bulls never 
intended to sell that out. That game was sold out, and uh, Altidore stole the show, put up a, a really impressive race where he was just speed and power personified. That player seems, though, to have had a lot of potential, some of which has gone unfulfilled. But he's a, he's a, he's a decent player. I, I really felt for Josie because right now, you know, this season he's having a, a, a masterful season, if I can go that far to say. I think he's actually the best player in MLS so far this year. And here he is going into New York and what's going to be a big stage and lots of American television is going to get a chance to see him. And we know that there's sort of mixed reviews on Josie, both uh, overseas and certainly in the United States as well. And on the sort of the big stage with the opportunity to really demonstrate the quality he's played all season long, he had, you know, no argument, I think, his worst game so far this season, uh, and one where, you know, he, if he makes that uh, pen, then there is no other discussion about the crossbar or the offside call or anything else. It's three points for Toronto in a seven-game win streak, and I think that for the casual American soccer uh, fan who watched that game, it was more of, I guess, like the the narrative of, oh, that's that's the Josie that we, that we don't like or whatever, and I think it's a little unfortunate for him. I think that there's that there needs to be a little bit of slack cut when it comes to Josie and playing against uh, against the Red Bulls just because of the fact that you know he he's a New Jersey he's a New Jersey kid and a New Jersey product and that's his hometown club and that's where he came up so it's obviously going to carry some emotion for him and he seems like he might just he he seemed in in this game like he might have just been trying too hard uh, there were multiple situations where he was battling for balls with. Uh, New York center backs and uh, just was too physical and you know had play called back on him because he just was try he he was just trying to use his body more than he was trying to get to the ball. Yeah, unfortunately for Josie, he picks up another yellow card. That's his fifth on the season, and that means he'll miss the next game next week. So Friday night's game, he'll be suspended for one game uh, for a collection of yellow cards. Okay, let's fast forward now. Tosain Ricketts hits the crossbar, and then there's a moment where Tosain Ricketts scores a goal. It appears Toronto FC have come from behind again to win again. It appears Tosain Ricketts has scored the game-winning goal for the third straight game. <laughs> Toronto's won seven in a row. No flag goes up on the side from the from the the linesman or the the side judge or whatever language you want to use. No, no, no notion anywhere that the goal is going to be called back. But then it is called back. What did it look like from the stands? And what was like? What were people saying in the stands as this all came undone? Uh, it looked like a clean goal from the stands. Uh, the reaction was obviously not positive because it was the Red Bulls blowing. Now, blowing a lead and blowing and, and going from you know three points to potentially none. But what was what, what really bothered me most about it, and obviously, look, as a as a person who was rooting for the Red Bulls, I, I, I'm glad that the call went my way. But what struck me most about it was the the delay in actually making the call. It it, it was late, and I always feel when a call, when a delayed call is made that late that. Especially when you when you don't have the benefit in hindsight of replay that you, you've ultimately gotten it wrong. Yeah, well, it, it turns out that the replay, I guess, got it right if the call on the field was that Raheem Edwards was offside. Uh, the argument that I made was that the referee was actually calling to St. Ricketts offside, not Raheem Edwards. And later on, MLS uh, PR tells us a different story, but that that is what it is. So at the end of the match, we have a we have a one one draw. Both teams take a point. New York, New York, I think, will take the point as you said because the best team in MLS come to town. They you know New York hasn't played their best this season. They take a point, and TFC will take a point because one point away at New York, I think, is always. Uh, a good result. So overall, uh, pr pretty decent for, for, for both sides. Any uh, final thoughts, Justin, on, on the match itself? 
No, I mean, it, it was one where it was obvious, as I said earlier, that the energy was going to be sapped from it earlier. You knew it coming into the stadium with just how, how actually oppressively hot it was. So to actually get some activity in the match, be it a, a, a penalty save, uh, an offside goal where it's questionable why it's being awarded, and then two other actually good finishes. And we and you haven't really mentioned uh, Ben Washeru's finish, but it was a uh, it was it was a nice diving header and a, a, a quite a nice fi- and a nice finish and just a well worked set piece. Uh, it was all in all, I think the results a fair result. It doesn't flatter Toronto, but New York also had chances that they didn't convert as well. And the Red Bulls actually just continued with one of their trends this season which is finding themselves in good positions and not shooting i I think the biggest i think the biggest um you know offender of that right now in mls might be sasha question who gets himself into great shooting positions and never shoots hello justin well thanks appreciate it's always fun to chat with you and catch up a little bit for people who who want to follow you on twitter and or catch some of your other work where else can they find you um i uh on Anfield Index, so if you're interested in any of Liverpool, uh, you know, any Liverpool activity, I actually just recorded the Anfield Index main podcast yesterday. Um, it's you know a good discussion about social media and fan interaction and, and what it's you know how it, how it's playing itself out, specific to Liverpool, but I think it's applicable to a lot of other clubs. But you can find me as earlier mentioned at uh, at Rolls and Shabbos, and I will uh, I, I tweet random things about Liverpool baseball and then other. All right, awesome. Justin, appreciate it so much. Always fun uh, chatting, and we'll talk, we'll talk again real soon. Right, thanks, Steve. Thanks, buddy. Extreme Toronto Sports Club, XTSC, offers the best co-ed, men's, and women's recreational leagues across the city. Scarborough, North York, downtown Toronto. Indoor and outdoor turf soccer, co-ed volleyball, and ball hockey leagues too. Get your soccer fix with Extreme Toronto Sports Club. Sign up today at xtsc.ca, xtsc.ca. Hey everyone, Steve Gennaro here, TFC Talk, as we you know, get ready to look at not just the regular season of MLS this year, but also now some of the external battles that Toronto FC will face, including the Domestic Cup, the Voyagers Cup, Canada Cup, Amway Cup, a million different names, but what it means is that Toronto is going to face against Ottawa. I want to talk a little bit about that. I thought it would be great to bring in uh, a fellow uh, writer, podcaster from Waking the Red, so I have Tej Sahota right now with me on the line. He's actually in Ottawa getting ready to cover the the first leg of the match. So, Tej, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Steve. Thanks for having me on. Okay, so let's uh, let's let's just start and talk about this uh, f- from the beginning. Toronto gets Ottawa, and uh, how, you know how did Ottawa get to this point, and and what can Toronto expect in the first leg of the match? Well, first of all, much like the team, I'm happy that Ottawa won because I was really hoping to make a trip for an away game this year. And uh, when the option was that was either going to be uh, Edmonton or Ottawa, it was a much affordable ticket and much easier trip to plan for Ottawa. So. Just like the Reds uh, players themselves and the organization, I'm much happier that it was a 30-minute flight, not a four-and-a-half-hour flight. But, uh, well, you know, going back a little bit to your question, uh, it, it's uh, interesting with the uh, CONCACAF kind of re- restructuring the way they're holding the uh, Champions League. So TFC are essentially refighting for a spot that they already won out in 2016. So uh, hopefully these uh, days we'll actually see them uh, win the uh, Canadian Championship or the Voyagers Cup and uh, get into that elusive uh, CONCACAF Champions. I think a lot of TFC fans are excited for as as a... Yeah, you know, they, they won this cup last year. 
And as you mentioned, the, re the reshuffling, what that means is uh, they should already have an automatic entry in into Champions League, CONCACAF Champions League. But with the new CONCACAF rules that they put in place or structure, uh, the winner of this year's Voyagers Cup, Canada Cup, if it, if it is TFC, then they just move right on. But if it's not, they'll face TFC in a one-game playoff to see who gets the spot for next year's CONCACAF Championship. And uh, I spoke to Greg Venny last week, and he said that he, he planned on fielding a strong team because this is an important uh, you know, tournament for for Toronto FC. Do you expect to see a strong lineup in in, in the first leg or in both legs? Well, yes, yeah, Steve. I I think so too. We uh, we actually uh, flew up on the uh, on the same flight as Toronto FC uh, to Ottawa, and uh, just kind of about who was in the uh, waiting uh, area there uh, before we were boarding. You know, I made a I made a comment to some of the other Wake in the Red writers uh, via our text that uh, it looked like a pretty deep, strong group. It definitely looks like Greg Vanny's treating this as a way to, uh, yes, he's resting the designated players and he's resting some of the workhorses that have uh, you know played nonstop in the MLS action so far. But you're definitely not seeing TFC two, so I, I think uh, fans don't need to be worried about that and disappointed that uh, you know Toronto FC is not taking this championship uh, uh, seriously. See, expect to see out there tomorrow looks like a very very strong side. So, and I'm usually fairly skeptical his uh, treatment towards Can Championship, but I was thoroughly impressed with who I saw on the on the trip over. So, I, I think fans should be excited too. Okay, so some people who will listen to this will be listening to it before the Ottawa match. Some will be listening to this after the Ottawa match because this episode will air for an entire week on All in Sports Talk and and uh, you know on, on Waking the Red and our World Football Index leading up to the second leg of the of the of the, the home and away, or the away and then the home. So what what do you expect from Toronto FC across the two legs? Or what can uh, you know the casual fan or even the, the hardcore fan expect from Toronto FC over the course of two legs, in your opinion? Well, I, I you know what? I do, the only precedent that I have is uh, the way they kind of played uh, last year uh, against both uh, Vancouver and uh, Montreal when we were doing the Canadian Championship. So... I think if you can if you can try to get that uh, elusive away goal uh, because you know the all important away goal rule does come into play in this uh, competition. So if you can get one nothing tomorrow and then kind of field a very defensive lineup for the remainder of the game, try to hold off Ottawa, come back home and uh, and then maybe you can play a little bit of a stronger lineup uh, at home. And there's two reasons for that. One, Ottawa is turf, so I uh, I don't expect. Uh, you know, some of the guys uh, to be getting a lot of minutes, especially with some of the veterans out there. I saw Benoit Cheru and Drew Moore were included uh, on the trip. So I'm, I'm not expecting those guys to get all 90 minutes, especially with the conditioning. But I, I'm hoping that they'll go for a, a one, away, one or two away goals tomorrow and then just kind of put it into cruise control after that. Okay, excellent. Tesh, really appreciate your time. We'll get you back on TFC Talk when you're back in Toronto. We can talk to you, uh, to you for longer, a lot longer, and at that time talk about the season as a whole. For people who, are, who have just come across you now for the first time, where can they find you on Twitter and, you know, and what, what other work can they, can they expect from you? Oh, I, thank you. Uh, I'm uh, available at Botical, B-O-A-T-I-C-A-L, and then uh, my usual work is found at Waking the Red. Uh, so thank you so much for supporting us in the TSC writing community, you, yourself, and and everything that you do, Steve. So it's greatly appreciated. And before we go, tell the, the listeners a little, a little bit about the new podcast that you started up with Waking the Red, too. 
Oh yeah, I appreciate that. Well, we're trying to do uh, trying to do something a little bit different. Uh, it, it got a little busy last week, but we're trying to do a weekly, uh, just a three minute hit. So uh, Tej talks TFC for three minutes, and that's available at Bumpers, and you can subscribe on iTunes by searching for uh, Waking the Red or TFC. It's just a quick hit, three or four minutes for your for the uh, listeners' time, just to try to get a little bit of a taste and appetizer. Uh, before what's going into the game. So uh, we're hoping uh, your listeners will uh, will want to log on and uh, subscribe to that as well and show us some support. And we're just continuing to build the TFC media and the brand and the following. And uh, we appreciate everybody that's uh, supporting us. That's awesome. Thanks so much, Tej. Keep up the great work, and we'll talk again real soon at Up the Red. Cheers, Steve. Absolutely. Thank you, sir. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. All In Sports Talk. 24-7 Sports Talk Radio. This is TFC 2 Talk with Dario Pausarelli. They say things happen in threes, and Toronto C2 certainly hope that is the case. After playing through three straight scoreless draws, TFC 2 have now lost three straight games as they fell to the Tampa Bay Rowdies 3-1 on Friday night at the Ontario Soccer Centre. This loss was different though because after only allowing two goals in the last five games, the defence failed to come through, allowing three goals in a short 15-minute span. TFC2 coach Jason Bent was quite candid about the breakdowns. It seems like that second goal, the set piece again, was the last time that caused you problems in Tampa. Yeah. Anything about set pieces that the team can improve upon? Or? Uh, determination. Um, thou shall not score. Making sure whoever your opponent is, uh, that he doesn't get the better of you. Uh, a lot of it is mentality. right? That one wasn't a second phase. The one that we, we lost in, uh, in, in Tampa was a second phase where it was cleared and then um, guys started to push up before we actually um, dealt with the second phase, which can be worse. Um, tonight was just guy lost his marker and free header. Uh, it's a shame. We'll have to address it in on the training ground. But uh, yeah, those, those things can happen. Despite the loss, there are some positives to take away. Recently signed defender Jelani Peters was very strong early on, but had to leave at halftime. Coach Bent explained his substitution decisions. Peters was excellent in the first half. Did he come off with an injury? Yeah, he uh, re-aggravated his hamstring injury, so we had to take him out at, uh, at halftime. And then uh, we knew that Ashton Morgan was under, under a minute restriction uh, to try and top him up to 60 minutes. We got that, which is a positive. And then we, we had to hang on to our last sub uh, to try and see how to affect the game. Uh, we felt that we needed something in the middle of the park because we were starting to get overrun in the middle of the park. Um, and we brought Brian James in, who I thought did okay and started to switch the point of attack for us. Um, ultimately, uh, we needed that second goal before they could get on the score sheet. It figures, but Vaughn's own Luca Cello scored the first home goal of the season, ending a dreadful 520-minute goalless drought. Luca, you took your goal really well. Great first touch. Uh, talk us through your goal. Yeah, I just saw, well, credit to Serge, he got his head up and made a third man run off the shoulder of the defender and it was, per- it was a perfect ball. Um, I knew I was alone, so all I had to do was put it in the corners. From midfield, you made some very good runs, not just you, Serge as well, getting in behind. Is that something you worked on in training? Yeah, um, since we're playing with two strikers now, it's it's more of a rotation with the strikers, so there's going to be space for for the midfielders to get forward and make those runs. So, um, yeah, we try and do it as much as we can. Um, when the opportunity comes, it's just we got to take advantage uh, of it, and we did today once. But, uh, you know, we could have got more goals from it. You know, we just got to be more clinical in the final third. First home goal for the season from a local native. How does that feel? 
it's good. It's obviously an amazing feeling when you, you score in front of your fans and, and family, but uh, I think more importantly, it's it's about it's about winning, right? And, and that, the best feeling in the world is winning. And, and it would have been better if we, if we got three points today, but, uh, but uh, hopefully next time. Finally, it is not often do you get a chance to play against a world-class player as in Joe Cole. The opportunity to gain valuable experience by playing an opponent of this caliber was not lost on the team, as Sergio Camargo explained after the game. Serge's uh, performance was very good today, I thought. Tough result? Yeah, definitely. Um, it happens when you play good teams, you don't play well for 90 minutes. Uh, we turned off in those last 20 minutes, and it, it really bit us. What's it like playing against... England international Joe Cole, Chelsea, West Ham, Schaefer, Bundesliga, so much experience. Yeah, you can just tell the experience is uh, is the big difference. Um, he's not anything special athletically or anything, but you can see the way he moves um, off the ball and on the ball, the, the difference, of, of the level of difference. And that's the final whistle. After three draws and three losses, you know TFC2 is hoping for that streak to continue with three straight wins. They'll try to get that kick started on Wednesday, May 24th, as they host the Richmond Kickers and Ontario Soccer Centre. This is Dario Passarelli, TFC2 Talk. TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk. TFC Talk with MLS and TFC journalist Steve Gennaro. TFC Talk is what you've been waiting for. More Toronto FC every single week. Practice reports, one-on-one interviews with players, coaches, executives, club alumni and insiders, and match day coverage of Toronto FC. TFC Talk can be heard on All In Sports Talk's free app or tune-in station and is simulcast on Waking the Red. You can also listen to past episodes of TFC Talk on All In Sports Talk's iTunes, Stitcher, and SoundCloud channels. Be sure to follow Steve on Twitter at underscore S Gennaro and listen to TFC Talk every week. Up the Reds! Up the Reds! Up the Reds!